Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Pete Muller over Zoom video. Not only is Pete an incredible singer-songwriter, but he's also a very, very successful businessman and philanthropist. Pete was born and raised in New Jersey, and he talks about how he got into music. Started on piano at a very early age. Music has always been in his life in some capacity, but he did go to Princeton for mathematics. He ended up moving to California to work in finance. He eventually founded PDT Partners. So he has an incredibly successful career in business and as a hedge fund manager. But we talk all about his music career. He talked to us about these songwriting circles that he would have at his apartment where he did invite a bunch of people over. They would eat dinner and all bring a song. They would have to print out a couple copies of their lyrics and they would go around and play their song and get feedback. He said he grew tremendously as a songwriter hosting those writing circles. He talked to us about putting out the first couple albums he did, the success of the song San Diego, When You Come In Home, how that song ended up reaching top 30 on the Billboard AC charts, touring in 2019, starting the Live Music Society, which was originally started to help independent venues with marketing and having some budgets to maybe bring more people in the door and get people more aware that they existed. But it ended up with COVID happening, being a way for him to give back to the venues, some established venues that maybe we're going to go under or struggle even more now that uh, there's no shows happening. He was able to save a venue in San Diego that is near and dear to my heart called the Casbah, which is really incredible. He also talked to us about uh, being a part of Berkeley School of Music and uh, saving the legendary power station, the Avatar Studio in New York City, which is now a studio which is used for Berkeley for their master's programs. And he also talks to us all about the new record called Spaces and the tour they have coming up. You can watch the interview with Pete on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Pete Muller. Amazing. Well, I'm Adam again, and this is about you, your journey in music, and I want to talk to you about the, the new record you have coming out as well. Fantastic. Excited to do that with you. And thank you. Awesome. Oh, of course, of course. I'm I'm really excited to actually ask you about the song San Diego when when you come in home because I'm from San Diego and I, I want to know the tie there. <laughs> oh, okay. That was from the last record. Right. Um, right. So, um you know, my my journey in music uh, has been interesting. I uh uh my wife uh uh encouraged me at, at first. She said, "You know, uh if you're going to do this music thing, you got to go travel around and you know play in front of strangers that's mm -hmm. the only way you're going to figure out if uh, if you're any good and i said okay so uh we are the band signed up for a couple uh opening act tours around going around the country playing for uh brendan james and stephen kellogg okay and, uh, you know so we did 50 shows i guess in 2019 
Um, but, but before then, um, she had, uh, you know, she encouraged me, pushed me out there. But then once we were traveling, you know, she kind of was like, Hey, wait a second, you're not home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and there was a conversation and, you know, we all get emotional sometimes. And she, uh, she, uh, um, basically said, you know, that's it. I'm, uh, I'm moving to San Diego. And oh, really? We were actually, the band was, uh, the band was hanging out in New Orleans at the time. And, um, she didn't really want to move to San Diego, except in the moment, if you know what I mean. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I thought, wow, that's, that's a good line for a song. You got to be careful when you get into a, you know, a thing with, with your partner who actually writes songs, they're going to take your line. So right you no know, i'm gonna to move to san diego came from that and okay the uh the that's the only time in that song um the only time you hear san diego uh, i know maybe i'll move is to san diego or peru or peru right and then then and then it's never brought up again so i was kind of like huh i wonder why you decided on san diego and what the tie was there well, I just, you know, it, it was one of those things, you know, when you, uh, when, when you, when you have a strong bond with somebody and you get into a contention, you know, stuff comes out and I'm like, okay, sure. this will we'll express it. Yeah, that song has evolved uh, over time, but it's still one of our favorite live things. To do. Yeah. It's a great, great song. Very, very cool. So you were born and raised in New Jersey. Is that what I read? I was, I was both. My parents were foreigners. My mom was a small town doctor from Brazil and my dad was Austrian. Oh, wow. And then they moved to the States. Like, I mean, were, were you well, the much, first generation born here? I was. Yeah. They, they came much later in life. My, uh, you know, my mom came for uh, a degree after she, uh, she was a, a small town doctor. Her dad was, a, was a town doctor. The only one in town. She mm -hmm. went to medical school, an early woman in Brazil going to medical school. And she came back. And as soon as she got back to town, her dad had a heart attack and she became the town doctor. Oh, wow. He did that for a number of years and then applied for a grant from the American Women's Medical Association to get a postdoc at uh, UNC. So she came there to get her graduate degree. And that's where she met my dad, who had escaped the war in Europe and, you know, eventually made his way to the States. Wow. Wow. Okay. So born and then you were born in Jersey. And I know, obviously, you have a totally you know, you have, you have a, a life outside of music, uh, quite a big, big thing going on with math and like everything else you're doing as far as uh, the, the hedge funds and everything else. But I'm curious, like, how did you get into music originally? So I, uh, I took piano lessons and you know, learned classical piano as you did back then, you know, learning scales and things like that in classical pieces. And after five years, I was bored to tears and <laughs> I, I quit. And I was done. And then I ran into a friend of mine, uh, a guy named Tom DeTosto, uh, who I'm still friends with. And uh, he said, you know, Pete, uh, you're into piano. I'm, I've been taking these jazz improv lessons from this cool guy named John Amadeo, who lives in Denville. And you might like it. And I thought, sure, why not? And mm -hmm. uh, so I checked it out and I went there every week for, uh, it was really, it was less than two years. My dad drove me. John was a studio musician who had a a very attractive wife and he got to chat with her while we were doing lessons. So he didn't mind doing the drive. Every week. <laughs> uh, and I was, I was I a teenager. That. I was a teenager and I didn't practice that much, but I learned how to improvise. And, and John was cool. If I didn't practice whatever, he said, you just sit down at the piano. I'll be at the drums, you know, go ahead. And, and I, I just got turned on to the fact that if you're going to spend a life doing music, being able to create it is what it's about. 
mm-hmm. without getting that emotion out from inside you and figuring out how to get it to the world. So that's how I started by learning how to improvise. And then, wow. you know, and you guys play with, he was playing drums also while you were playing piano. He played everything, you know? A, yeah, but that's cool to be able to kind of start off by playing with somebody, right? I mean, that's a totally different skill set in itself when you when you learn to play. Totally, totally. Learning how to keep time, play with a band, you know, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's a tricky one. For um, sure, but, for but sure. For me, that was that was really learning jazz and improvisation, and that was kind of my path for a while. But then uh, later on in life, I I went through a tough breakup, and the only way I really, you know, I I was always playing the piano. But mm-hmm. I threw myself so completely into building this business that was, I mean, it was something I was really passionate about. Um, it was math and investing and all that. We don't have to talk about it. Right. But um, I'm curious about that too. I don't know if you we, might can, we can totally hit that. I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I'd stopped playing music and my life kind of blew up because there was all this stuff inside me that wasn't coming up. My, I had a relationship that, that blew up and it just kind of broke my heart. And the only way, I, you know, I went with a, with a friend to Hawaii and we were hiking around and I found a piano at a hotel and started playing. And he said to me, Oh man, you need to be doing that more because that's the first time I've seen you light up since this happened. Wow. And I realized that I'd left behind playing music and that's what got me into songwriting. And I started writing, you know, typical songs that initial songwriters start writing. Oh my God, this is the, this is so awful. This is the, this has never happened to anybody before. Nobody <laughs> felt like this before. Oh my God, my sure. heart is broken in a million pieces. How could she do this? How could that? And, you know, it was, it was a particularly um, lurid story. So it led to a lot of writing and, and I realized, okay, wait a second. So part of that is emotional processing. That's great. But if you want to connect with people outside, you have to, you know, make it universal and have it resonate. So I, I, I started studying songwriting. Uh, I actually applied and got into graduate school of uh, musical theater at Tisch. Really? And I went for six whole weeks and this was right before 9-11. And then I decided I didn't want to spend as much time in New York city, but uh, during the six weeks, I learned how to, um, I learned constructive criticism in a song circle. And I thought, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this is amazing. And if the program had been pop songwriting or, you know, the, the kind of music, Americana songwriting, the stuff that I love doing, I would, have, I would have stayed. Musical theater just didn't turn out to be my thing. Mm-hmm. So I applied what I learned there and uh, I took over a friend's song circle and started hosting people at my apartment uh, every week for about five years. And I would make them dinner and we would all bring songs. Wow. Show up with your songs. You'd, you'd print out two lyric sheets for everybody. We'd have a great meal and then we'd sit down and everybody would play their song and you'd play it twice and then people would comment. And it was this great community. And I, you know, wrote so many songs and grew as a songwriter doing that, and did a couple albums. So that was kind of the, the, the beginning of my musical journey. Interesting. Wow. Well, real quick, how, so you, you said you left music for a while and it was that when you were going through like college and, and everything, like how old were you when you decided to revisit piano and when you're in Hawaii, do you remember? Uh, you know, I did. It, it's uh, I'm, I'm not great at talking about my age. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to ask you for a date, but like, like, were you in, had you finished college at this point? Were you? Oh, yeah. College? No, no. I had I'd already finished, finished college and I had worked in California. And oh, OK. I'd worked, a, I'd worked with a bunch of uh, really smart math financial people, but mm-hmm. I had a very balanced life. I had a band I was playing with every week. So I was playing music and 
I was into it. It was a part of my life. I wasn't singing, but I was, mm, okay. uh, I was jamming and, you know, I was on the piano a lot. And then when I, I got this opportunity to build a group, that was, you know, just my dream, you know, can, can you build a quantitative group to beat the market? You know, right. like I'd played poker. I was good at poker. I was like, okay, yeah. I figure this out. And it turned out to be really, really hard, but I'm a competitive person. And so I was like, I think I could figure this out. And I did. And I built a, a great team with a great culture inside a bank and um, hit a home run with it. Knock on wood. <laughs> it was really, really fun. And I dropped music and I didn't, didn't mind it um, for a while because I was pursuing this single-mindedly. It was really cool and fun. Mm-hmm. But once we got to the point where we were really successful, I thought, okay, I've proved what I wanted to prove. And then I didn't go, I didn't go back to the music in time. So okay. it was a five-year period where, I mean, I had a grand piano in my apartment. I would play it. You know, it wasn't like I, I never touched it, but I wasn't really developing or actively it. pursuing it. Right. Yeah, I was just exhausted by what I was doing mentally. Uh-huh. And, and so that, that was the, the period. Okay. And after that kind of going back to 2000, that's when I you know got back into it. Okay. So, okay. So, so you- pick up the story. That, so I did a couple albums and then I just, mm-hmm. kind of, um, I ended up getting married. The woman I was telling you about before, I met her in 2005, my wife, Jillian. Okay. And, and uh, I still remember on our second date, I, I played her all these songs and, you know, she was excited. Wow. You know, you're okay. You're a successful guy, but you also love playing music. Okay. This works for me. Uh, but then we ended up getting married, having kids and somehow longer story that I'll tell some other time, I ended up going back to running the business. But when I did it this time, I said, I'm going to do music in parallel. And I did, I would, you know, Whenever I went to New York, because that's where the company was, we moved to California. I would play down in the village. Mm-hmm. It's called Cafe Vivaldi. That was really fun. But I, but I wasn't writing as much. I didn't. I wasn't exercising that songwriting muscle. And we had a couple kids, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And then financial things happened that were kind of crazy in 2008, and our group ended up spinning out of the bank and becoming independent. So it really wasn't until 2013 or 14 that we were stable. We'd taken the whole group out of the bank. We had raised money. We were all set. And I thought, okay, back to music. I, I still have to do my third album. And, and mm-hmm. I did. That was 2014. Okay. And now the, the one you were, the album we're talking about is was, uh, just about to come out. And that's going to be album number five. Wow. And you, but you, so between 2014 and what, 2020 was the last, was the fourth record, correct? Uh, yeah. Dissolve came out. I think it was 2019, maybe 2019. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 2019. I think. Okay. When did you, when were you doing those, that touring? Was that 2019 as well? Yeah. I mean, we started touring earlier before then, but, but 2019 was right before the pandemic. That was our biggest year. And then we were gearing up to do even more. And obviously. Yeah. And you had, I mean, with, even with San Diego, that was a huge song. It made it like, you know, billboard charting on like hot AC and like you had a couple songs that did really, really well on billboard. No, that was fun. Let You In and San Diego did, did all right there. Yeah, on that record. And, uh, you know, this, this new record is cool. We've already, um, Tin Palace was on the, made, made it to the top uh, 30 on Billboard. And um, yeah, so we, we have high hopes and we had, you know, you know, got a couple, we haven't even released the whole record yet. Right, right. Wow. I mean, to, to it's, you have such a cool, like the fact that you, you have done so much, obviously with, with the mathematics and the, with the, with the, with the hedge fund and the banking, and then obviously still being able to kind of go and do your passion and then to succeed at that as well. I mean, <laughs> that's so you know, cool. You know what I, I'll, I'll say though, Adam, is that 
it's not like this is my passion. And, and, you know, I wasn't doing banking. I mean, it was, what we did was, and what we still do, the company is still around and it's still doing fine. Right. You know, it's, it's um, mathematical research, trying to figure out and predict markets with a bunch of mm-hmm. really, really smart, interesting people that I love working with. So I have a passion there too. Sure. I typically, you know, everything I do, I tend to be passionate about that's, you know, that's so, so it, it it's, you know, when I first started doing music, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to tell people about that side of me because, you know, I, I'm just going to kind of present it as a story like, okay, that's, in, but, but it's part of the whole me, you know, mm-hmm. in addition to being a music nerd and really getting into lyrics and, and chord structure and song structure, I'm a math nerd too. All right. I love, love numbers and puzzles. I love puzzles and games. So, you know, it's, you can't deny part of yourself. Sure. Well, I feel like songwriting in itself is kind of you're putting together a puzzle, right? I mean, you got to come up with certain pieces and then you kind of put it all together to make it make sense. Like, do you, do you see that as well when you're, when you're writing a song? Oh, completely. It's the same creative muscle. You know, it's, it's, you need an inspiration, you know, you, you get a, a great melody for chorus. You need, you need to know what the song is about. You need to know what, okay, what's the deep emotion. Mm-hmm. Then there's, there's kind of the, okay, how am I going to tell this story in, in three verses or four verses, how is it going to move on so that there's new information in each verse? How am I going to make it interesting? Not too obvious, not too literal, not too vague. And how am I going to hit people's emotions in a fair, authentic way that really is true to the emotion that I'm trying to express. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's tricky using phrases that people haven't used before. Right. And that that's, I'm sure that's difficult in itself to find, right? I mean, just with the amount of material that's out, it's like, okay, has this been done before? Has this been said before? And if it has, like you, you can take your own spin on it anyway. You know, the, the, the secret I find for me is to get to that really quiet place and chill and then just let it come to you. I mean, I, I, I wake up at four in the morning sometimes and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the lyric. That's what I really mean. Right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I typically work out every morning and then, and then I have my coffee afterwards. And after I do that, that's when the brain's going. And if I'm like, okay, let me think about that song. Boom. Here's the, here's the insight. And okay. so it, it's, it's, and, and from what I understand from other people, creativity works like that. in lots of people, if you're in the, the right state of mind, boom, all of a sudden it flows. If you're not, mm-hmm. you can sit in front of a piano forever and eh, you're not going to get something great, but sure. you still have to put in the work you, and, and you have to figure out, okay, how do I get in that, that state more often? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with, you know, the, the band and in the current record that you have, you've been releasing was that like, when did you get your band together? Has it been the same people that have played on the albums since the first couple that you've kept all the way through this fifth record, or have you had kind of a different flavor of people throughout the, the process here? So the last, uh, three records I've had, uh, uh, on, on, you know, in terms of the rhythm section, skip Ward on bass. And Dave Solomon on drums, it's been great. Um, the, the, and they, they've toured with me some, it's been great. We've, we've shifted, the touring band is now a quartet that we call the Kindred Souls. Mm-hmm. And there are four of us. So Missy Saltero, who I've been playing music with for, uh, I guess, more than, more than 10 years. And, and John Hooley, who I met as a sax player at Santa Barbara, but also plays guitar and all sorts of things. Um, uh, we, we kind of formed the core of it and did some writing together. Everybody sings and plays. And then we added a, a violinist, Martha McDonald, who played with us for a, a while. And she 
she got a gig on Broadway. She's in the Dylan musical on Broadway. So then we found wow. Aubrey, we found Aubrey Richmond, who also plays violin and sings and also plays mandolin. And people can switch off. So that our touring configuration now is a quartet. And we all sing. We trade off the vocals. It's it's really cool. And then, you know, we trade off instruments too. Hools, uh, Hools plays bass pedals along with the guitar, but he'll sometimes throw the guitar to Aubrey and then pick up a saxophone. Just kind of fun. And wow. Missy, Missy, who was a singer, but had always had great time, learned how to play the cajon. And so she's our rhythm section. So that touring configuration is really fun. Okay. And when you go ahead, no, go ahead. So, so they've been on the records, um, the last few records and, you know, we co-wrote maybe a third of the songs on the record. The other ones are all mine. Um, uh, but we, we, we tour around and we just, we have a blast playing together. It's really fun. Uh, that's about, you actually answered my next question. I was going to ask if you, like, when you write the songs, do you present it all to, to the band and say, okay, here's the song. This is how it's going to go. And, you know, do here's your part or is it, let, here's a, a structure of what, kind of what I'm thinking. Let's all like jump in and collaborate. So, so uh, the ones we've written together, we've, we've collaborated. I'm kind of the, I'm more of the taskmaster. So I make sure we get it done. And, you know, I really have a lot of focus on the lyrics. Uh, Hools is great on harmonies. You know, Missy is our, our muse on inspiration and she'll, she'll be the spark a lot of times or the seed of something that, that leads the song when we collaborate, when okay. it's, um, when it's my song, uh, you know, I'll take the lead on that. And I'll typically work, I work with uh, Rob Mathis, who's the guy that produced the last two records. And he's been amazing in, in you know, working, working with him has been phenomenal. He's really great at uh, suggesting uh, small little tweaks, variations. I've, I've learned a ton from him and we've become pretty good friends working together. And, I, awesome. and I'm honored to work with him because you know, he's, he, he's worked with everyone, you know, Sting, Elvis Costello. He does the Kennedy Center Honor. I was going to say that his, that name sounds familiar. Like I've heard his name or I've interviewed somebody else that has, he's produced before or like, yeah, the name, right. When you said it, I'm like, I think I know who this person is, or I've heard this person's name uh, mentioned before. He, he is, he is a monster. He is really a monster. He's probably the single best arranger of strings and horns of anyone in the world, I would say. He's wow. And, and, you know, he, he's, he's just brilliant. Every, we all, we all love him. Um, then, you know, we have a couple behind the scenes videos that we've put out for this record showing our process working together. Uh, but, but our meeting, it, it was, um, I did this project in New York um, uh, trying to save a, a studio. It was called Avatar. And make yeah. It- I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. We, and, uh, so you can, we can talk about that. So when he found out about it, he was like, who are you? Why'd you do this? Whatever <laughs> you need, whatever you need, I'm your man. Okay. And, and the guy that made my third record, a, a dear friend, a guy named Rick DePoffy, unfortunately got a, a glioblastoma, a brain tumor. And, you know, he was not going to be able to make another record. And, he, you know, mm-hmm. he was, and, and so I, I said to Rob, you know, I'm well, I've, you know, I don't know if you're interested, but I, I need a producer. And he said, well, he said, well, what about Rick? And I told him about Rick and he said, you know, if that's what you need. Let's try it. And, and it was, it was cool because initially Rob thought, okay, here's this guy. He's been really successful at business. He wants to do music. Okay. I'll help, you know, he's, he's helped, you know, he's helping the world. Okay. I'll help him out. And then mm-hmm. he got to see my, my drive and the intensity that I worked with on the songs and how I pushed myself. And he said, oh, okay. Holy shit. I'm in this and right. we become good friends and 
you know, he, he makes time for me whenever I need it, which is, which is just awesome. And, and I love it because, you know, in the beginning I would, I would be like, okay, Hey Rob, you know, here's this idea. What do you think of this? And he would deeply, deeply listen. And he would critique the, the, the heck out of it. So I learned, okay, if I'm going to show something to Rob, I got to make it the best possible. And, and I love that push of, of, you know, okay, what is Rob going to say? Okay. What's Rob going to say? Okay. No, I, maybe I should, let me tweak that. Let me tweak that. Mm-hmm. So for this record, it was real. It was, it was so fun because the record before this one, he had a lot to say when he heard the songs. He was like, yeah, no, you got to change it. This record, there wasn't that much. Interesting. He'd be like, I mean, he definitely put his stamp on it. And there, there, you know, there are a lot of things where it's like, oh man, that was a great idea. But most of them, he was like, oh man, that really works. That's awesome. And, mm-hmm. and so the, the, the pushing and the working with him has really, really helped me grow. I'm That's still going to, I'm still going to play him all the songs I write going forward. I'm like, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he loves that. Like, cause I, I would imagine, you know, if, in the situation just being, you know, if somebody said, oh, you're like, oh, you're a super successful business guy. You, you love music. So it's like, oh, I'm also writing songs. Like he could have probably been like, oh, okay, like this guy's just, you know, trying to be, you know, musician or whatever. And then sees that you're actually not only super dedicated, but actually really talented. That probably kind of threw him off guard. I would think for a second, like, oh, okay. He actually knows what he wants. He's working really hard at it. And I wonder if, if you ever get like, if you felt that at all in, not working with him specifically, but anyone in general, when you kind of tell them like, Oh, I'm, I want to, I'm a musician. I want to, I write these records. And do you ever get that kind of like flack back at all or no? You know, the, the what I like people to do is to hear the songs, uh-huh. hear the music, not know anything about me or the band, decide it's cool and then learn. That's kind of that. a better way as opposed to coming sure. to judging and saying, okay, what is it going to sound like? And what is it about? I mean, for me though, you know, the, the, the humbling experience of saying, okay. And, and I think this is true for anybody playing music. You know, we all start with the same thing, right? We have our instrument, we have our thoughts or brains, you know, you want to try to write a song. That's great. You know, you want to sing it and perform it really well. You, you know, it, 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 it's a humbling experience mm-hmm. you got to dive in and, 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 and learn and grow. And for me, that's what makes life exciting growing and learning and getting better at things. So mm-hmm. that part has been so fun getting in front of a crowd and being able to be comfortable and confident and know that you're going to give them something that, that is true to yourself and that touches them. That's so fun. And doesn't, doesn't happen every time, right? You could you sometimes right. you get a crowd and they're, they're not into you and you have to go, okay, I'm doing this show and I'm putting myself out there and there are going to be some people in there that get it. Mm-hmm. And um, Sometimes they just love you no matter what you do. And, <laughs> right. You know, so, it, it, you know, going through that journey and understanding how to, uh, how to stay true to yourself. Is, it, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Sure. With um, the tour that you got done and the record, obviously 2019, you, you got some momentum. You're like doing a bunch of shows and then COVID happens and it shuts down everything. Was that when you got involved with uh, like Berkeley School of Music or was that a relationship you had before? Because I know that you you worked with them and kind of helped what venues and businesses that were struggling due to what was going on. There, uh, that's that's different than Berkeley. That's a, a charity that I started called the Live Music Society. OK, that has nothing so, to do with Berkeley. No, it doesn't. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll separate those stories for you. Um, I, yeah, I'd love to hear so, that. So when we toured, I went around the country and. You know, we're playing for these small venues, mm-hmm. um, 
20 front street in Lake Orion, Michigan, you know, uh, seven steps up in spring Lake, Michigan, you know, tiny little, little places around the country that, um, uh, were just wonderful. They treated us so well. Um, the patrons were fantastic, great listening audience. People that worked there were friendly. And I just looked around and I was like, wow, and this is pre pandemic now. Mm -hmm. Um, these people are not making a great living, but they're doing this for the love. They love music. You know, they're loving the community is great here. This is great. You know, it gives people a release. And, 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 and I thought, well, what can I do? I, I have some resources. And I thought, why don't I start a charity that kind of helps, helps these clubs, you know, because some of them are, you know, have great sound systems, but they're really bad at marketing and ticket. Some of them are good at marketing and ticketing, but you know, they're, they're not as good at sound systems or, you know, figuring out how to raise money, you know, philanthropically in a town. So can I create an organization that helps these places with best practices, lets them, you know, retain their ownership, but just does some good in the world and gives people grants. And right until we started it, I got a bunch of friends together, put a board together, put a bunch of money into it. And we've given away a few million dollars already. Mm -hmm. um, but then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden, instead of trying to help them be better, we were trying to help them to survive. Oh, wow. So you started that before the pandemic. Correct. I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. Wow. And we, it was right before the pandemic. And then we just shifted gears and we said, mm -hmm. wait a second. Um, wait a second. How, how can we, you know, you know, how can we help? So we just gave unrestricted grants up to $50,000 to a whole bunch of clubs. It's amazing. And, you know, just to say, you know, go, you know, stay. And the only thing they had to tell us was, okay, we are going to make it through. We're going to stay in business. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so we've helped a lot of places and it, it, it was just, it was wonderful to be able to do that. That is so cool. Cause a lot of those venues are the, I mean, obviously the smaller ones were the ones that were closing down and those are the ones that gave, give the opportunity to the smaller artists, the people that are trying to, you know, make it and play. They maybe they never played Salt Lake city. So the only spot they're going to be able to play is the, this room of maybe 150 people or less exactly. versus a, uh, you know, big theater that's going to book, you know, a 1200 seater person, uh, you know, artist, no matter what weekend it is. And, and that's, that's exactly that. That was the idea. And that these places are great because if you are starting out as an artist and you want to travel around, having a network of these places would be amazing. Right. But, but you know, it's funny, you know, it, it, there's so few people in the world that are like, okay, I just want to do something good. So we would call them up and say, you know, we would advertise this and say, you know, you could just apply for the grant. And they were like, okay, what's your angle? What do you want? Right. No, we just want to tell you about this. And if you're interested in applying, we want to give, we're giving out free. Okay. What's the angle, but what, what do you really want? And then, you know, we, we ended up um, uh, talking to people at Neva and, and, and the you know, people that were trying to do the save our stages thing around mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, the clubs knew them and they said, no, no, these guys are good. <laughs> they're, they're actually. And so that made it a little easier. And now we, you know, we get the grants and, you know, we, the, um, we, we, we turn a lot of people away, but we give out a lot of money and it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's been really rewarding and fun. And um, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. Cause those are the ones that you see and you're like, Oh, this is so heartbreaking that this club is shutting down. They couldn't survive COVID. I mean, there's one in San Diego, the Casbah, which had a, a, a tremendous amount of support from the, just the city of San Diego. Cause it's been this iconic venue that has been there forever. And, you know, bands like Nirvana came out of there and you'll, you hear these bands that have played and it was just like, so 
you know, it's just this iconic place and it was able to survive. Thank God. But I can't imagine like it going away. Right. I mean, and you were saving so many of these venues that were all struggling through the same thing. How many seats does the Casper have? I think it's 200, maybe. We might have. They might be a grantee. Oh, maybe. I mean, that'd be awesome if you saved them. (laughs) I know that they were struggling and people were freaking out, buying their merch online and and doing a lot of stuff like that to support them. We did. We actually did. Oh, that's cool. Then uh, thank you times a thousand. That's so so amazing. I knew. I've never been there, but I recognize the name. Yeah. That is so cool. I mean, that venue... People need to write you a thank you letter. <laughs> Anyone that I know from San Diego that is watching this needs to write you a thank you letter because that is so cool. That is the place that people have always latched onto. And uh, it's about, I think, 200, maybe 250 you could squeeze in there. Yeah, yeah. But, no, our, our, I mean, that, the reason I asked you that is our criteria is up to 300. And it and it's funny because I we've given away so many grants that I'm like, I recognize that name, but I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't know the club. So that, that's yeah. Really cool. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Like, uh, again, my favorite place in, in San Diego to ever go see shows. And and they would always be the one that would have these smaller bands play there. And then they would get big. I mean, Foo Fighters played there. B- bands like that you would never think the White Stripes came through there. And it's like these people that have had this such major success all started out. The first place they played in San Diego was the Casbah. That's it, and, and there are a lot of these venues all around mm-hmm. the country, right? And yeah. you know, the idea is they're going to go away, right? Because it just you know rents keep going up, and it's it's hard to do the it's, it's hard to run a business. So giving them some love and some support and some money, and and now with the pandemic, hopefully being over or almost over, <laughs> you know, we'll sure, um, we're going to shift our attention back to okay, helping them be excellent, and. You know, there's something magical about a 200 seat venue. Mm-hmm. So answer, and especially if you've got a quiet audience, but even if you don't, but I mean, just the small venues are fantastic. And if you can get philanthropic community support there, if you can figure out how to help them do that, they can sustain. And that, that's even better. That's so, so amazing. So, so that's the, that's the live music society. You, the other thing was the was, was power station. At was Berkeley. power station, right? You, that, that was with Berkeley, correct? Yeah. So, so that is, you know, I, um, I'm back on the board of Berkeley, but I served nine years. And when I, when I joined, um, Roger Brown, who was the president at the time said, you know, whenever you join the board, you have to figure out something that's your thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, the thing is right now I'm doing music and I'm really trying to do music and I'll, I'll try to figure out how to help Berkeley. I'm sure I'll figure something out. Well, after I did that third album with Rick DePoffey, I said, okay, Rick, I need a studio in New York. I need to build something. Let me, let me, let me get, you know, a studio apartment or something like that somewhere, or one bedroom apartment. You can build it out for me. And that's where I'm going to do all my studio stuff. It'd be great. And Rick said, okay, I'm on the hunt. I'm looking for it. And we had recorded at this place called Avatar, this iconic studio that Springsteen, Lady Gaga, you know, the cast album for Hamilton and 10,000 other records you've heard. You know, it, it's kind of on the level I, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and we'd recorded there. And he said, you know, Pete, and this is already after he had been diagnosed with the glioblastoma. He said, I just had this crazy idea last night. Maybe, maybe my brain isn't working. But I just thought, you know, I heard Avatar is going to go out of business. They're going to sell it to somebody and they're going to make it a condo. And that's such a shame because everybody loves that studio. But it's just, you know, economically not viable. Mm-hmm. And what if you kind of, what if you bought it 
and kind of helped make it, you know, the Berkeley School of Music and uh, in New York because Berkeley's in Boston. Right. And, uh, you know, you could build out the fifth floor and do a little recording studio for yourself there, you know, and you'd be given back. And, and I, you know, I, you know, I'd been in the building there and, and, you know, kind of, you remember that movie Brazil with all the ducts and the pipes? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what the wiring of, of Avatar. Oh, wow. Is. Okay. <laughs> you know, they had a leak in the roof. So instead of fixing it, they would have like this pipe come down and like drain the water two floors. So it would go someplace else. I mean, like it was, it, it was that silly. And um, yeah, it, it, but it was just, this crazy iconic place in the room sounded amazing. And then somehow I just said, well, what the hell? And I went to Roger Brown, head of Berkeley. And I said, you know, if you find a guy that could run this project that I trust that you trust, that could make this happen, I'll, I'll make it happen. And long story short, he did. He found this guy named Steven Weber, who was amazing. And I went to New York city and I said, Hey, want to partner with us on this? You can save an iconic studio and you can bring the Berkeley school of music to Manhattan and it was a good day. And they said, yes, Wow! <laughs> they kicked in with uh, $6 million and uh, we did it. And we, uh, we opened a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and first class, first uh, master's class was oversubscribed with 80 students and the studio is still working. It took, it took four or five years to rebuild it. And just this week um, I wasn't in New York for it, but uh, it was, it was, it was actually last night. They, uh, they got a, landmark conservation award really awards in new york you know the empire state building was honored and you know for preserving classical building yeah yeah even though it was a studio from 1970 but it's still it was it was so iconic that they got the award the the architect david parker was was there and he did such an amazing job so meanwhile, incredible. I'm in California practicing with my band but i'm you know cheering for them and and so that was kind of the berkeley new york City that's thing. amazing so you can take classes there now and it like as a part of berkeley's master program it's it, it is actually yeah, like a satellite program. school type yeah that is where the master's program now is for berkeley right? oh really okay wow so it, it's really cool and uh you know the the staff and the faculty there is fantastic and, and you know i do have that studio there so i can record there too and it's yeah it's 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 been a win-win for for everyone that is amazing. Really fun. So, so for me, it's just, you know what? I love to spend my time creating and inspiring, right? I've mm-hmm. done a lot of things in life and I'm going to hopefully keep doing them. Um, but if, you know, if you're simply just doing stuff for yourself, it gets old. Right. Pursuing your own success. I mean, I'm still loving writing and creating music and playing it. I'm going to keep doing that. But if I'm not giving a gift to other people, if I'm not helping other people or showing them the way or showing them, hey, you know, you can just kind of do this at any stage of life. You can you can write, you can create and just do whatever, figure out what you want and then work hard at it. That's I love that. Me on, you know? I love that so much because that's I mean, that's the reason why my wife and I started this doing this podcast was it I was doing radio. I did radio for 17 years. And uh, I was like, how, how do these bands, how do these people, you know, go from, you know, little town to now they're some, you know, really established. They're making money. They're doing like what they love doing. How did they do that? So just collecting stories from all these different artists and rock stars to kind of give their, you know, feedback to, to people that don't, that are looking for that same 
same uh, bit of knowledge. Like how did the, you know, so-and-so get to do whatever it is. And then what's just, the theme that you get? Like when you've, you've talked to so many people, right. That have been on this journey that have yeah. had success. What, when, when people ask you, what's the thing that you, what do you, what do you take away? I'm going to ask you it at the end, like about advice for aspiring artists, but a may, a big one is always just don't give up. Like you never know when, when it's going to land. It could be, uh, like a lot of times it'll be the last time you, the last place you ever expect it. Like, Oh, I was playing. I'm, I'm trying to think I've heard a story where somebody was playing on, you know, the street of Santa Monica and they had just lost the record deal and they're, they're playing and somebody happened to come up while they're busking and they worked for some label or they were a entertainment lawyer that ended up getting them signed to a major label. And like, they just changed. It just takes one person to really change everything. For, for someone. You know, we, we can skip to that part of the advice, which is that's exactly what I, I will say something very similar to that. Okay. And, you know, which is, it, it, but, but then I'll say, why do you keep, so, so keep going, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you, if you, you know, um, but understand why you're keeping going, right? So what are the things for me, you know, when I, when I talk to people that are managing me, you know, about marketing strategy and all that, my eyes start glazing over. I'm like, okay, whatever, this isn't fun. When I'm hanging out with my band, writing or playing or doing cover tunes, and I'll tell you about that in a second, um, that's just fun for me. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this stuff that gives me energy, but that takes me in this direction. And I think that's the main thing is that you have to work really, really hard. And working really hard is about, you can only do that if you know why you're doing it or else you burn, you burn out. Mm-hmm. But you have to figure out a way to work that's just fun as well. Right. right. The combination of being driven. And, and if you're only trying to do music, I mean, for me, it's not about money uh, or, or, or really fame. But if you're trying to do it for either of those reasons, it's going to be hollow. Even mm-hmm. if you succeed, even if you make a ton of money and you get famous, there's always more. There's always more. But if you're doing it from I just want to figure out how to be the most authentic artist I can be and have the best chance of touching somebody who's ready to hear the song and just create joy that goes on forever. You can do that until you die. And, and so that's it for me. And, you know, I, I find that when I get hung up, it's when I have some predetermined idea of what I want to do, you know, what, what I want to have happen as opposed to simply creating the best piece of music that I can and, and having fun with it. Yeah, no, that makes, and, and that makes so much sense because it's like when you're, when it becomes, well, I'm curious because like I'll talk to artists too, that'll have a hit. Right. Or something will work for say on TikTok. And then it's like, do you, I, I, I like to ask them if they then try to replicate that same thing that they had done. And nine times out of 10, when they try to do that, it doesn't land. And then the next thing that they don't think is going to be the, the next moment for them or the next song for them ends up being that particular song. Yeah. It's just so fascinating to me. Completely. I, I think, I think one, there's a lot of randomness involved. Right. right. <laughs> who walks by to see you busking, right? Or who happens to hear the, the song you're playing in a club and decides that, hey, that should be, that'll be great for my commercial or my movie or whatever it mm-hmm. is. There is definitely randomness, but, but there's also just continuing to put yourself out there and continuing to challenge yourself. I think if you play the same song over and over again, at, at some point, I mean, we're still, we're going to play San Diego on this tour, but maybe the tour after we'll just stop playing it for, you know, it's just like, right. it's gotten, ah, okay, it's a little stale. Let's do something new. 
Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, the hardest part right now is I've written a bunch of songs since Spaces, the, re- the record that's coming out. Right, right. A bunch of songs since then. And I kind of want to play those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've played those Spaces songs a lot, but I, I'm, I also still love it, fortunately. Still love doing it. When did you start writing Spaces? Has it been like since when you wrapped up 2019 in that tour and that that record or did you take time during the pandemic to be like what is going on with this world (laughs) yeah i'm trying to you know the i think yeah i think 2020 was basically when the writing was happening okay um i still I, i i resurrect the song circle and you know we did that did that through zoom oh you did yeah yeah okay yeah. So with some new people, some some good friends, and, and you know we we would go five or seven week bursts, and we've done a bunch of them now. And you have to come up with a song every week, and it's really great because you're you know you when you're for me having that deadline and being forced to write is really important. That's a piece of advice I'd give anybody that's that that wants to write and grow is force yourself to write on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. is just figure out you, you have to write but having to write a song and everybody in the circle agrees it's like, okay i have to write a song wow that's great discipline and uh and then you when, when you're forced to do it and some of the best songs i've written have been like oh shit man song circle is in like five hours and i haven't even started okay <laughs> doing nothing else here i go and, and and i'm like okay i don't know if there's any good and you, you play it and they're like oh my god you just wrote that. That's great. And, you know, it doesn't always work like that, but mm-hmm. just that, that pressure of a deadline and wanting to have something helps. I like that. Cause I've, I've heard that advice as well, like write a million songs, like write a, a, a thousand songs or whatever. Somebody will say, write a song every day for a year and see what, what you come up with. Because at one point you might, you'll, something will eventually I would think click and you're like, Oh, I'm, these are getting better. These keep getting better. I, I think, yeah, I, I think, I think that's great advice for when you start, but you mm-hmm. also want to have a, some kind of feedback cycle. Where some, I like the feedback cycle too. Yeah. Yeah. And having, so having friends that'll listen to it and tell you what they really think, but are also encouraging. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. You want to grow as a musician and you realize, you know, being a, being a musician and choosing that as, as your life path for me, I, you know, I always played music and then I, I, I chose to do other things to earn a living mm-hmm. and I think that was a great choice for me. And I think that's a great choice for other people because if you, if you set yourself up so that if you do not succeed at the music, you're going to really struggle in life. That's a problem. Now you can get lucky and do that, but typically you end up, if you want to start a family, it's a hard path, but if you have a source of income that allows you to have some freedom and all that, and then you can pursue the music really seriously and parallel. I, I think that's a, an easier, healthier thing. And then, of course, if you get enough success with the music or if, or if you're young enough and you don't have those responsibilities, and you want to give it a shot for five years. I, I think that's great. Um, but if you're if you're spending a lot of time doing that and. It, it can be a tough life. Sure. No, because being able and, you know, one of the great things now, though, is it's possible to be an independent artist and if you're reasonably good at finding your fans and marketing and you're pretty competent, you can figure out a way to make a living. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the, the way the, the world is working and evolving with the web, if you can actually access fans anywhere around the world, you might be able to create enough of a base. And there are enough places like Patreon that, that help artists do that. But, you you know, that that's, that's a certain way of making a living. There are a lot of other ways. 
So I, I, I think the advice of if you're going to do that for a living, it should be like what you have to do. That's your only choice. How's right. that? No, that's great. That's great. I, I, I wonder if you have any advice on marketing in general to people that are, or is, is that a, you know, I mean, I would think that that's a huge, probably part of the music in general, right? Like how you could write a great song, but how do you get people to hear it? You know, that's a challenge. I, I think I'm still working on that. Okay. I'm still working on that. Uh, how do you, how do you crack that code? I mean, we've right. got the radio, there, there are different ways to do that there, but, but finding how to engage with, I haven't reached a place where I'm, I'm engaging with thousands of, of listeners. So I'm probably the wrong person to give that advice, except to say, be really authentic, present yourself, not, not an image you want to project of yourself, not something that you think people are going to like, but just be yourself and shine as brightly as you can. And, you know, show your flaws and your vulnerabilities and, and, but just be, be real. And if, if that's going to, if you're going to, if you have an audience, they're going to, they're going to be attracted to that. I love that. It's the main thing. That's amazing. Well, I cannot wait for the rest of the record to come out. Um, I've, I've had a chance to hear it and I love it. I love the, like the, the video you did for Tim Palace is amazing. And everything that you have uh, coming out on this new record is really, really impressive. Thanks. That was my friend, Chris Morgan, who uh, who's actually hanging out with the band uh, here in California. And he's so great, so creative and, uh, you know, lucky to be able to work with him. That's uh, yeah. He's got such a great eye. Um, so what, what else did you like on the record that do you do? Um, I, I was listening. It was the was the God um, and democracy. Is that on does that's this record, too, right? That actually, you know, that was an in-between song. We it was that. an in-between song. Okay. You know, I heard, I'm trying to, I got to find the thing now, the link. Um, I don't know if there was song titles on here. Oh, there was. Okay. I like the eighth song gone. That's a good ah, one. We yeah. Just, yeah. We just released the, uh, the video for that. And, okay. And, and that, that's, uh, it's interestingly, that was the song that, uh, the pe- people in the band thought had the most emotional resonance. It's a great song. It's a great song. When I listen to the record, I remember I'm more on song because tr- I'll be listening to it when I'm driving or listening to it when I'm just around the house. And then I'll be like, oh, OK, song number eight. That was a great one. Then mental note, mark it down. And OK, that I, I haven't seen the video, though. I need to check out the video. It, it just came out. I think it was, it was like a week or two ago. We okay. just hit it. Yeah. Um, Amazing. I mean, what was the concept behind the video since I haven't seen it? So uh, we shot it, uh, half of it in Topanga Canyon in this really cool geodesic house. Oh, cool. And the other half in the hills of Santa Barbara near where I was. And, you know, it, it's about being, um, being angry and getting over it and seeing to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea was going to be simply me looking emotional in the video and playing the piano. And then we were going to have a female figure in, in, in there. And, and Gus Black, who directed it, brought uh, his friend Melody Casta, um, who's this gorgeous French actress. And she would, you know, basically the whole idea was you were just going to see a silhouette of her in the background walking away and all that. And then I saw her and I, I just like saw the expression on her face and I said, we need to film her walking around and, and being emotional and sad too. And uh-huh. we did. And I mean, she killed it. So she's half the video. It came out, came out 
wonderful. I mean, you just want to look at her, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's just like walking in the house and, you know, it, 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 it's just, you feel the emotion of the song when you do it. And, and then the, the end of the end of the video, we, uh, we filmed in the Mesa in Santa Barbara and got a couple of German shepherds and they were walking along with me. It was, it was, I love it. Kind of cool. We got, got we, we had to drive up from Topanga and race up just to make it in time for sunset and just run out to the Mesa. And, oh, wow. And all the camera equipment, but uh, we, we, we got it done. And it was, it's really fun. That's cool. Are there any of your other videos that you have uh, for the songs coming out? Yeah. Yeah. We filmed um, light up the night, which is, we're going to release that with the album on May 20th. And that was Lenny Bass who directed the let you in video from the last record, which was our most successful. We, you okay. know, for us, that's success. We had, we had over a million views on YouTube. I mean, for that's us, successful. That's, that's successful for anybody. <laughs> that was, that was great. So he did that one and that's a duet with Missy Saltero as well. And we filmed that at this, um, this, this uh, kind of, um, let, let's just say downscale motel in Oxnard. And, okay. uh, you know, so the, the story has, uh, uh, I'm in one room playing the keyboard and Missy's in another room singing and it's like the band's on tour and there's this couple that they're not really a couple. They're both going through something emotional and something tough and kind of processing it. And light up the night is about getting back in touch with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that the visuals are, you know, these two different people in a hotel and we're singing in our rooms and, you know, they're kind of like emerging. And, and then all of a sudden the, the room starts lighting up and glowing as if, you know, there's this just like this realization that happens at the end of the song. And then, and then Hools, who's in our band, all of a sudden shows up with a guitar and Martha couldn't make it, but she was, so we, we green screened her on a TV playing a violin solo. Oh, so that's cool. That's it, really cool. It, it came out really great. So we got that one and there's one more video that we've actually got in the bag called the other side. Uh, and that one, uh, that one features a, a ton of, um, dancing in a diner that that is just a feel-good song mm -hmm. that, that's a song about when your your partner your spouse your partner whatever is grumpy and you have to get them to the other side oh um yeah that's kind of is that early on in the record i can't remember what number it, on, it, the, on the 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 track listing but i i know this i know exactly what song you're talking about yeah it is and that one uh that one's going to be coming out in in like two weeks we're going to release the video oh cool the single won't hit but the video is going to end and that one's that that's they're, I, I love them all. I love all the videos. It's really, they're, they're really fun. Is it fun to shoot those and do that, that side was, of it? That was totally fun. When I first started doing this, I was like, wait a second. I don't know if I want to be in front of a camera and doing that. And, and then each subsequent one I shot, I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is great. I mean, eventually I think it, it gets old if you're shooting a lot of videos. I talk to my friends in, in successful bands and they're like, oh, man, I hate the video shooting process. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still in the, oh my God, this is really fun. Let's, sure. videos, let's take a day and just play and, and have a good time. So I love it. And there's uh, at least on the, the, the copy of the record that I have, there's a few bonus songs. Are those going to be on the actual release or are, you, are those being held back for, for other reasons? So we uh, we're releasing 12 songs uh, on spaces. And then those three bonus tracks that you heard will be in a, a two LP set. Oh, okay. Which I, I, I don't think will be available for, I don't know, I don't, maybe five months from now, it, it, you, all the, you know, you hear about delays in production, but you just, you can't, <laughs> you can't print stuff quickly. So right, right. Of you know, course. People will have to wait for that till September. 
Okay. Well, they'll be stoked on that because I really like those songs as well. <laughs> it's, they'll be worth the wait for sure. You know, we, we recorded 15 and I thought, okay, we're going to, we have to narrow it down for the release, but I, I want to share everything because we really put effort into all of them. So um, they're great. Yeah. All great songs. And you are doing a tour. Is that what you sent as well? We are, we are, we're just putting it together. We're, we're going to be, um, we'll do a party in New York and we're going to do a party cool. in Santa Barbara. And then we're doing a number of venues in, in California. Where else are we going? We're going to Boston. Um, uh, New York State, uh, Nashville. We're playing uh, City Winery, in Nashville. We're really. When is that? I'm in Nashville now. Are you really? Are you? In yeah. Nashville? Oh, you gotta yeah. May seventeenth. Oh, I'm gonna be there. May seventeenth. Okay. Seventeenth. Yeah, yeah. Would would love to have you. I'm gonna um, write that down right now so I don't forget. We'll put you on the list. Um, That'll be so fun. Yeah, we've we've played there before and uh, love that venue. It's. It's great. Um, yeah. Awesome, and uh, awesome. we're gonna, I think we're going to do something in Alabama. That's not confirmed yet. We have a whole bunch of other dates. And then, and then we're going to go out uh, more in, in July and, you know, we'll be in Michigan and Colorado. You know, it, it, it's part of it for me is I, I can't tour 200 days a year. I think, I think 50 is kind of the most I could do. And if I that's wanna, a lot, <laughs> I mean, I have a family, you know, I, right. Of course, but, but, but it, it, it's great. And, you know, do, you know, cultivating fans and places and, you know, getting the experience of playing stuff live that really, that really helps you grow as a musician. Mm -hmm. So amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much uh, for doing this. I really, really, really appreciate it, Pete. My, my pleasure, Adam. It was really fun talking to you. It's uh, yeah. And I'm going to go, uh, going to go down to rehearse with the band now and play some music. So I'm amazing. <laughs>